When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. On Ian Rod B. Ty Henderson here as well. We'll get a full update on Ty's punt, pass, and kick competition yesterday. Head to head. The great Casey stuttered. Can't wait to hear how that turned out. I know you can either. This would obviously be the time where we normally introduce Rod, and Rod would do his Ric Flair whoop and call it a free fall football, free for all football Friday. But we've got some breaking news. We got a breaking news sounder to start our show in our first hour of five. Five, that's right, five hours a day, five days a week here on Ian Rod B. Austin's only local morning sports conversation. Yeah, but major breaking news. Rod Babers called me this morning at about uh, nine, uh, 5.40 and then called Ty because I missed the call to inform us that his wife, uh, has her water has broke. Her water has broke. Uh, we've been telling you here over the, the six, seven weeks that Rod and I have been doing this show that his wife is pregnant. Due, was due on uh, the day of the Texas-Oklahoma game, Texas OU. Uh, but obviously a couple of weeks early, uh, water has broken this morning, and uh, they are doing their thing. So Rod will not be with us on this free fall football Friday. That's okay. We wish them the very, very best, and all uh, all's well with the Babers, and we'll keep you posted as that happens. But yeah, Ty, major breaking news. How did Rod sound when he called? Because I, I had my phone upside down sitting here prepping for the show, so I, and I, the, the, the ringer is off, and so I didn't hear it. He, he called me twice, and he called you. How's he, how's he sounding? A lot of energy in his voice. Well, because, you know, Rod gets up and jogs in the morning. Mm-hmm. He does like a four-mile run through his neighborhood and then, I'm assuming, came back from his jog and was going to head here and got It the must news. have just happened. Sure. Like, he well, must have gotten back from the jog kind of deal. And she, it, she and was, it was on. She, yeah. I and mean, it was it, on. It, 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 it kind of got me fired up. The I'm pumped, man. The, uh, I'm excited for him, man. It's his, his first child. and awesome. His first baby. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a life-changing event. <laughs> The next uh, several hours for he and his wife, her her first child, his first child. That is uh, uh, really, really exciting. So it starts a big weekend, but Rod will not be with us. Maybe, just maybe, no promises. We won't bother the uh, the couple, but uh, maybe Rod checks in at some point with, uh, with news. We know it's a baby girl. They have not picked a name. But they do know it's a girl. They've been planning for it in, uh, obviously, nine months. And uh, we'll keep you posted as we go. But best of luck to Rod. And uh, How long does that kind of... That kind depends. of situation take. Hundred percent depends. I told the story. Our first, and this is their first. Our first took all night and into the morning. I mean, we we got to the hospital. Her water broke. My wife's water broke uh, about ten o'clock at night, and we drove to the hospital. And we should, our our oldest wasn't born until eight thirty or nine o'clock the next morning. Uh, it can take that long. Um, but then you know Nolan, who works here, um, your buddy. My second, uh, that one almost he was almost born on three sixty. It came really fast. 
really fast. Her water broke in the morning, much like Rod's. I had to leave. I was doing the show with Bucky back in uh, the uh, the late 90s, and uh, I had to race home because she called and um, raced home and fought traffic and barely made it, barely made it. So that one was much shorter. That, so the first one was, so for when it, the water broke at about 10 and we hit baby at 8, so that's about 10 hours. Nolan was probably front to back three hours, three hours max. But you just never know. You just never know. Uh, each 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 one is different. Uh, miracle of life. The miracle of life. It certainly is, and it's so funny because Rod was just saying yesterday that, uh, or no, it was Wednesday when we had our station meeting that uh, you know because that's that's God that's God's plan, right? I mean, you, how would you ever convince a, a human being, a female, to push that 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 baby out of and, and go through what you have to go through? It, it, it takes eight eight nine months, and then by that point, uh, she's so ready to get that thing out. <laughs> Especially for his wife, this the, this year and this summer, the the hottest summer on record, and you know dealing with, and she's been pregnant through the entirety of it, and uh, the heat and all that. She's ready to be ready to be done. So, uh, you know, send a prayer their way and hope the best with uh, Rod and his wife. Uh, they're going to have a baby this morning. That's pretty awesome to start a Friday. What a way to start a weekend! What a way to start a weekend. We're excited about that. So Rod will not be here. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, we will crank this thing up and get you ready for uh, a tremendous Saturday of college football tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, tonight at, uh, gosh, before midnight, summer ends and fall begins. So tomorrow is the first full day of fall. It will include uh, six ranked, ranked matchups in college football. We've also got a huge baseball series and, and a huge baseball weekend up in Arlington and down in Houston, which we will preview. Also get into a must-win game for Austin FC out at Q2 Stadium. Obviously, the Longhorns are at McLean Stadium in Waco as they begin their uh, Embrace the Hate Tour, their final year in the Big 12 Conference. And uh, we had, you know, week three in the NFL kicked off last night. Let's uh, open it up and start with the headlines, get you caught up on the news of your Friday morning in addition to Rod's Big News. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the headlines each and every hour in the 6, 7, and 8. Starting the NFL, week three kicked off last night in San Francisco where the 49ers Rolled past the New York football Giants 30-12 on Thursday Night Football. They improved to 3-0 on the young season. It's their 13th straight regular season W. They've won 15 out of 16 overall. Brock Purdy, the quarterback, remains undefeated in games he started and finished. Threw for 310 yards and a pair of touchdowns last night. One of those to Debo Samuel. One of his six catches for a buck 29. Running back Christian McCaffrey found the end zone for his 12th straight game. Uh, the Niners rolled up 441 yards of offense to the Giants, 150. They're 3-0. Giants are 1-2. Terrible news for the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. Confirmation from the team that all-pro cornerback Trayvon Diggs tore the ACL on his left knee during their morning practice at the Star Complex. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. Huge blow to a defense that is off to a tremendous start through two games. Cowboys have allowed just 10 points, sacked opposing quarterbacks uh, 10 times and have forced seven turnovers. Diggs is tied for the NFL lead with an interception since entering the league in 2020. That includes a franchise record 11 in 2021 alone. 2-0 Cowboys travel to 0-2 Arizona for a Sunday afternoon kickoff with the Cardinals. Also from the NFL, former Texas running back Jamal Charles, one of nine players nominated for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2024 in their first year of eligibility. Lifetime Longhorn from Port Arthur played 11 seasons for the Chiefs, Broncos, and Jags. And despite playing... A full 16 games and just three times in his career. Posted over 10,000 yards rushing and receiving combined. Found the end zone 64 times. Other first-time nominees include wide receiver Brandon Marshall and Jordy Nelson. Tight end Antonio Gates and defensive end Julius Peppers. College football stage is set for that huge Saturday we've talked about. First full day of fall will include six ranked matchups, including 13th ranked Alabama hosting 15th ranked Old Miss. 
Deion Sanders and his 19th-ranked Colorado Buffaloes are at 10th-ranked Oregon tomorrow afternoon. Also tomorrow night in South Bend, it's a top-10 showdown with 9th-ranked Notre Dame hosting 6th-ranked Ohio State in a battle of blue bloods. There are big games across the Big 12 as well tomorrow, including 16th-ranked Oklahoma at Cincinnati for the first time ever. 3-0 BYU is at 3-0 Kansas and at McLean Stadium in Waco. Steve Sarkeesian and his third-ranked Longhorns begin their Embrace the Hate Tour through the Big 12, facing the Baylor Bears. Everywhere we go this year, everybody's going to try to take one more shot at Texas, okay? So we can sit here and and be a punching bag and just take it, or we can go attack people and, and make sure that they know they were in a fight too Saturday night. And that's our mentality going into this game. All right, that game kicks at 6.30 tomorrow night. Our pregame coverage on the Horn goes live at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon from Doc's Backyard in Sunset Valley. Come out and join us here on the Horn tonight. It's game one of a huge baseball series up in Arlington. Texas Rangers hosting the Seattle Mariners with 10 games remaining in the regular season. The AOS rivals are in a flat-footed tie for second place in the AOS at 84-68. and 68. Half game back of first place Houston. Tonight's game, uh, first of three, is the first of seven meetings between the two teams over the next nine days. Uh, so that game at about 7 o'clock tonight. You'll hear it live here on the Horn. Astros, meanwhile, hosting the Kansas City Royals this weekend. Round Rock is in Tacoma. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. The heat's made us crazy. Get up to $100 off select steel backpack blowers and employee pricing on all zero-turn mowers in stock this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Appreciate all the well wishes on the Specs text line for Rod and his family. Uh, they're pouring in now on that line at uh, 337. 3776. And here's a good one. This is a good perspective. It says, Now Rod can make the OU game. See? That's exactly. I thought that within the first 30 seconds. I'll go cool. Because we've been trying to figure out what we're going to do for the Texas OU game. I know we have a big watch party out at the field house at the crossing crossroads out there in Cedar Park for, for folks here. But, you know, could we get up to Dallas? But, uh, yeah, now right now we got three weeks. Uh, baby's about three weeks early, it looks like. Is I, that, that's, that's normal, right? That's normal. That's not not uncommon. They, I mean, give, you, they give you a little range of what, and which. Yeah, they give you. Well, yeah, they give you the uh, the nine month date. But yeah, can, can we, I think all three of ours came early, a couple of weeks at least. And uh, going, you I'm pretty see, sure I was supposed to be born on Christmas. Really, I was born on December 16th. Oh, so you can, yeah, you came nine days earlier than the the expected due date. Yeah, I believe that October 7th was the the due date that he had mentioned, and that's the day of the game, day of the Texas OU game. So they're like, well, we can't make plans for that, Rod. You need to be ready, but uh, now we're three weeks out. But the Longhorns do have a big game tomorrow. Obviously, we'll preview that coming up. Uh, we're going to hear, with Rod not being here, we're going to re-rack their, our conversation we had yesterday with Craig Smoke, who covers the Bears up in Waco for Sikkim 365. Uh, his thoughts on this 1-2 and two Baylor team. We'll go behind the burn orange curtain and hear from Craig. Um, I, I will say, we, we talked to him yesterday. He's not real optimistic, doesn't sound like, on what Baylor has to, uh, to offer. I mean, how do they almost talk about like hanging in and hanging on. And uh, finding a way to be in that game in the fourth quarter, you heard Steve Sarkeesian say, uh, "Not just embrace the hate, but take the fight to the opposition." I like the mindset. I think you have to embrace it. I absolutely do. I think you have to. Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, how many times have we heard Texas is always going to get the opposing team's best shot? Well, that's never been more true than here in 2023. With um, as we said, I mean, it's maybe too strong to say they'll play in Waco at McLean Stadium for the last time ever, but. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Why would Texas ever go back there? Right. Why would Texas ever go back there? It's a fair question. Uh, you know, the Longhorns are going to move to the SEC next year. There's a good chance that, uh, you know, when they do, there's going to be a, a negotiation with ESPN to add a ninth conference game with the SEC, which will mean nine conference games, only three non-con. Um, you know, you're going to play that uh, big game every year in the non-conference that's for the for the, for the uh the big boosters and the fans that want to make a great road trip. Now, we'll see how that scheduling 
you know, picks up in the future because the SEC is loaded with great road trips for the fans and, you know, SEC trips and, you know, gosh, um, that's part of why Texas is moving into that conference. But at the same time, you know, Texas plays Michigan next year. They're going to play Ohio State in coming years. They've got non-conference games always. You know, this year it was Alabama. Uh, so then you have two other games, and you're probably going to play kind of a warm-up game. And um, I would also say if you're going to play teams around the state of Texas, which I think Texas will want to do in the non-conference, you know, you're probably going to play teams that are in the UT system first, right? UTSA, uh, which Texas has played, UTEP, um, you, you know, yeah. teams of that nature. I mean, um, I'd rather play those kind of cupcake games, not being in the sure. SEC. The, the, the SEC teams seem to do that every year, besides well, and, maybe in Alabama. And, 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 you know, this this sounds the opposite of the John Wick mentality, but if, you know, why would you play Baylor or Tech or any of these schools if you have to recruit against them? I mean, uh you could lose the game, right? You don't want them. You don't want to succeed bragging rights or any of that on the recruiting trail. Um, you that's know, kind of the A and M train of thought. It is, but at the same time, do you? That's why I'm saying I don't think Texas is going to be. It, look, the list of teams that Texas will schedule in the non-conference once they join the FCC. Baylor's way down that list. Way down that list, especially being a private university. Yes, and, I, I and, expect and, Tech or even Texas. And, State and the administrations them. have never been on been been very close <laughs> let's say they've been adversarial at times even um as we've said you go back into the 90s when the big 12 was formed you know texas didn't want baylor in the big 12 in the in the new big 12 uh, but that was political moves at the capitol with ann richards and bob bullock and um either way i mean texas is making their call and they're moving on the big 12 is going to move on and be fine uh baylor will be fine but i just don't think texas plays baylor anytime Probably not in my lifetime. I'm 50 years old. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I don't think I'll see Texas play Baylor and Waco again after tomorrow. But did you think that Texas would be playing A&M this soon? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. How long has it been? What, 12 uh, it's years? It's been 12 years. But, but yeah, I, I figured there would be a time again. I didn't know when. but In the same conference, though? Well, no, I didn't expect that. But I, you didn't. Know, but I figured that they would play. I mean, okay, look, if you go before Texas left, who are they going to play non-con? At some point, there was going to be an A&M game. And look, Texas could play Baylor in a, in a bowl game. Uh, Texas could meet Baylor in a in a, uh, in a game they don't schedule. But as far as making, you only have three games. The, the, the SEC is going to create your schedule, you know, every year moving forward. You only have three games that you're going to schedule once it goes to a nine game schedule. I just don't see Baylor as one of those anytime soon. Texas Tech would be ahead of them. Um, geez, Louise, I just don't see that as as uh, as possible. So to that end, I mean, it's going to be you know a raucous environment. I think Baylor knows that too. And uh, but do they have much of a of an opportunity to upset the Longhorns? Horns are more than two touchdown a favorite in that game. Uh, so we'll take your thoughts on that conversation for sure. It says uh, prayers to the Babers family. Absolutely. Hey, say, say hey, tell Rod when he's done catching that kiddo. I need to come dust off his cleats and come play for play corner for the Cowboys. Yeah. That is a uh, devastating blow to the Cowboys. I hated to hear that uh, yesterday. I think all Cowboys fans did. I mean, uh, look. I mean, if you start listing off the players, you would most Hate to lose for the Dallas Cowboys. Trayvon Diggs is very high on that list. Uh, Micah Parsons is number one. Dak's probably number two. Dak is probably probably number two. I think. Would you be panicked if you're going to miss Dak for a month because Cooper Rush, pretty good player, and the way they run the ball. Yeah, but I'm, we all we all know Cooper Rush isn't doing much now. Like if you add to the caveat that the list of players you would least like to lose for the season. Dak Prescott would yes. be very high on that. For a couple of games, you know, anybody. But at the same That's time. A, that would be a good argument, though, or question. Because you, you could rather, argue Tony Pollard. Would you rather lose Micah Parsons or Dak Prescott if you had to lose one for the year? Oh, gosh, Dak. Not, I mean, that's, that's, you think so? Oh, for sure. If you're trying to win a Super Bowl? Yes. Your entire defense is built around that guy. 
Well, I mean, and he's the most impactful player. Look, I mean, I would. I mean, if you're asking, I mean, me, I, I don't know. I, I would have to think about it. I, I probably would be Dak, but I don't. Well, I, if, I'm, if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, fair enough. Fair it's, enough. It's hard to he's win your quarterback. One the it's the most important yeah. position. I know what you're saying. It's the most important position in the game. But the way the Cowboys are built this year to manage games and do like they did against the Jets and quick passes. Mike McCarthy called a hell of a game against the Jets, and obviously it'll get tougher as you know teams figure out more and more what they're doing offensively this year. But 42 minutes of time of possession in the defense, I just you know Michael Parsons I think is one of the three four best players in the entire league, so that one would be very high on my list. And you know how far better is Dak Prescott than Cooper Rush? How far is that separation? I think the top separation from Micah Parsons to his replacement is a lot. Uh, I think the true, re- but again, especially the way the Cowboys are going to be built. I mean, this team is. You know, they need Dak to not turn the football over the way they're trying to go after it. But, yes, uh, that's that's a, an argument that uh, we could have. But at the same time, it's more important of who, who replaces Trevon Diggs. And that's, that's going to be the challenge for the Cowboys because, again, the list of players, this guy, the reason the Cowboys, I think, are off to the start they are defensively historically good is the ability to cover so that the pass rush can get home, right? I mean, that's really the Cowboys, you know, looked at their, their team this offseason and said, look, if we can help, if we can stop the run better. If we can re-sign Leighton Vander Esch, draft, draft Mozzie Smith, continue to, you know, be tougher on the interior, so teams can't just run the ball on us, and then we can put teams in obvious long down and distance. Well, now we add Stephon Gilmore opposite Trayvon Diggs. We re-sign all our safeties, and we lock people up in the back end, and that gives the the, the pressure time to get home, which sometimes last year they they weren't able to because the right side opposite Trayvon. You know, you could, you could always find an open receiver. It felt like you could always go that way and get the ball out uh, for the Cowboys. So, well, instead, in, in week first two weeks, you've seen the whole thing. I mean, they, they you know, quarterbacks look bewildered. Uh, quarterbacks aren't sure, and there's nobody open. Uh, so all of a sudden, you know, here comes the rush. That's why you have 10 sacks in two games. That's why you have, you know, seven forced turnovers in two games. And that's the model. Uh, that's the build. And But, you know, Rod gave this, this week in one of Rod's rants, the numbers on Stephon Diggs. Not only were the Cowboys, the Cowboys' defense off to a historically great start, Trayvon Diggs was off to an incredible start. He had a pick. He forced the fumble in week one on the Giants with Duran Bland catching it out of the air, essentially, on the big hit coming off his man. Um, you know, no one's open. They, he's only been targeted three times in two games. He hadn't given up but one catch. And he's had a pick and, and forced a turnover. He is playing his best football. And Rod talked about how, you know, he, he came to playing cornerback late in his you know, high school career. He's not been playing corner that long, and it's almost at 25 years old. Trevon's just, you know, you know, mastering the craft. Well, he got to Alabama and thought he was going to play receiver. Right. Well, his brother is Stephon Diggs. He's a wide receiver. So, you know, two tremendous athletes, and you, you know, but but to Rod's point, I think this week was this guy's mastering the craft, finally, right? No one's ever doubted the athleticism. No one's ever doubted his ball hawk ability, you know, his length. Uh, his speed. I mean, that's. I mean, he's got 18 interceptions since entering the league. That that is ties the the league lead. It's a franchise record, 11 in 2021. He's just such a ball hawk that you know teams don't want to throw his way. I mean, it's like why would we even mess around with that? And that's why acquiring Stephon Gilmore was so important uh, to the Cowboys because that that brings another uh, you know Pro Bowl caliber corner on the other side. And this it just was to me the final piece of what could be the best defense in the NFL and one of the best we've seen. In a long, long time. How big of a blow is it? We'll find out as we go. Obviously, I don't know that the uh, the Arizona Cardinals are going to test them too much with Joshua Dobbs. Deron Bland, who was a late-round pick last year, not this past April, but the year previous, he was great as a rookie. He's got and, six career interceptions. Right, and he's kind of settled into that slot. 
but they'll probably move him out. Jordan Lewis will probably then move into the slot. They they acquired the kid from Miami, the Dolphins, when the trade and training camp, who had the touchdown uh, on uh-huh. the, on the block kick. He will be a guy, but again, none of those guys are Trevon Diggs. I mean, Trevon Diggs is. You start listing the best corners in this league. He's it's a very short list. He's on it. Uh, I think he. I think might as as he started this year. And to Rod's deep dive point on how good he's been to start this season, just got the new contract. So you know you you say good the good on the young man that got a, got a big deal, got some guaranteed money to deal with this injury. But um, you know what, what do they always say? What is the uh, the book Outliers? It takes you know ten thousand hours to master something to become a master at your craft. It feels like Trayvon Diggs was just mastering it, was just becoming that dude. That shutdown corner. He's always been an impactful corner, but you know this, Ty, as a Cowboys fan, he could get beat, right? You could you could get him on double moves. He's almost almost sometimes too aggressive. Um, but man, that's the thing with a guy like Diggs is when your pass rush is so ferocious and so quick to the quarterback, they got to get the ball out. It sets a player up like him. Perfectly, yes, perfectly. Being able to jump balls it's built for him because you know the quarterback's getting rid of it. And he's not going to stand back there four, five, six seconds. He's going to throw the ball, which allows D, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, a uh, an aggressive player, a ball hawk like Trayvon Diggs, to you know gobble up picks and make plays. We've already seen it through two games where the Cowboys have allowed ten total points. All right, well, that was a brutal, brutal blow. We'll talk about it. Take your thoughts on it, and all the debate, the debates there. Can't wait to hear Ty's thoughts on his uh, punt, pass, and kick competition. Uh, we'll also get into the 49ers who rolled it up. I was reading some stuff this morning. I watched this game last night on uh, Amazon, and uh, I was reading ESPN, and they were talking about it wasn't as impressive as some thought. But they rolled up 440 yards of offense to 150. They re- they beat this team by 18 points. Um, you know, I, I I thought they were pretty overwhelming. It's pretty that, dominant from what I watched. Yeah, know. pretty dominant. I guess I'm reading some of the covers. Like, like the Giants looked better than they did against the Cowboys. Yeah, well, it's I think hard that's to look, kind of what the like. It's hard to look about. worse than the Giants did in that game because everybody would would admit as good as the Cowboys were in that Week One game in the rain, the Giants were awful. I mean, they're abysmal. I mean, it's the NFL. It's parody. You're supposed to win games by a field goal in this league most of the time. And to beat a team by forty, that doesn't happen very often in the National Football League. Uh, there's there's two 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 sides contributing to that a blowout like that. Uh, one team is really really good, like the Cowboys were, and one team was really bad. So the Giants did play better, uh, but they didn't do much. And here's one thing that they did do because everyone's asking the question about Brock Purdy. Um, is Brock Purdy going to come back to earth? Do you realize uh, last night in this game they blitzed him and blitzed him and blitzed him, and he handled it. They they brought. I wish Rod were here, but thank you. Know, good luck to Rod and his wife. If you're just tuning in, Rod and his wife are off to the hospital. Her water has broken, so he will not be here this morning. But uh, you know they they because Rod has taught us about the amoeba fronts, right? The 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 uh, those disguised blitzes where you put six seven guys at the line of scrimmage, so it looks like a blitz, but who's coming and who's not. This has become very common around the National Football League. You try to confuse a quarterback. Um, because you you know a blitz again is more than five more than four people. If you don't if you only bring your four down linemen, that's a four man rush. You got seven in coverage. Anything more than that, five six seven is a blitz. Um, but teams are, are disguising that by bringing seven six and seven men to the line of scrimmage, and then you know some drop some don't. Who's coming? Who's not? It makes it very confusing on the quarterback and the offensive line of who's picking up who. Um, the, the Giants threw that at him all night. And Brock Purdy handled it and handled it and handled it. And he was tremendous against the Blitz last night. Uh, they blitzed him like crazy, and he still threw for 310 yards and two touchdowns. Didn't make a big mistake. How about this? Purdy dropped back to pass 39 times last night. They blitzed him on 33 
of those. 33 times out of 39 dropbacks, he completed 84.6% of his passes according to the next-gen stats and in, in, in the game. He, he completed 20 of 31 passes for 247 yards and two touchdowns with no picks on those blitzes. So, again, this is a young quarterback who is just showing that uh, whatever whatever draft pick he was, he was the last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, he's way better than that, right? He's way better than that uh, because he just doesn't lose, and he's the reason why they traded Trey Lance. He's the reason they've you know moved on from that you know mess up that they made in their front office because he's, he's a really good player. He's a really good player. He's not just a game manager, Ty. He's he's a really good quarterback. No, and yeah, you saw the extension of the run. Like even in third and fifteen, I mean, how many were how many third and fifteen plus plays were there yesterday where he just got out the ball in the perfect spot on those little screen plays and let his just getting the ball in his playmaker's hands, I'm not asking him to do too much, which we've known about the Kyle Shanahan system. Like they say, any quarterback can can play in it, but he I, takes it to the next level. I'm glad you said third down. You know what their percentage on third down was, which is a critical, critical. It's a money down. Nine for sixteen. Nine yeah. for sixteen. That's why they controlled the ball for forty minutes. Uh, the Giants, meanwhile, on the other side, three for twelve. And like I said, like three or four of those were very long. Oh yeah, they converted a third and thirteen. They converted a third and fifteen. And a couple of them were on just little quick screens to Debo Samuel that they blocked Christian really well. McCaffrey. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey. He might be the best offensive player in the league in my mind, besides well, Patrick Mahomes. That that dude, having him on that team, took it to the next level. Obviously, last year he was the he's the missing piece. The fact that he hasn't gotten hurt at all. I mean, knock on wood. Um, well, he had 114. He had 114 scrimmage yards and a touchdown last night. He has scored a touchdown in pretty much every game he's ever played for Kyle Shanahan uh, since he's gotten to San Francisco. Did he play 100 percent of the snaps again last night? No, no. Elijah Mitchell actually got in that game and had 11 carries late, and that's what they need is Elijah Mitchell to come back and become that second back because, as, as Rod pointed out yesterday, Christian McCaffrey played a, played every snap against the Rams. He, that won't last over a 17 game season. Um, but they needed to win that divisional game on the road. Now they've come home and kind of split carries. Christian got 18. Elijah Mitchell got 11. Um, but, boy, they just they just have the array of weapons, and, you know, they, they cover the spread easily and outgain that team 440 to 150. That game was not close. Uh, and the difference was third down. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Longhorns, where the difference could be first down up in Waco tomorrow. We'll tell you why. Also, we'll hear from Ty on his uh, – Punt, pack, and pass, and kiss kick competition yesterday with Casey Studdard. Got to hear the uh, the outcome and how it went. That was a challenge that Ty gave, and uh, we'll also have a video coming out this morning about uh, all that went on to document it. Also, in our what the fact segment before the end of the hour, it's Ian Rod B. Hook him up here on a Friday. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. One zero one nine AM twelve sixty. The Horn. Yeah, I gotta say, one of the better sports weekends on this Friday that we've seen in a while. Across the board. Across the board. Um, obviously, Texas and Baylor opening up Big 12 play. Good games around the Big 12. Really intrigued to see that 3-0 Kansas against 3-0 BYU game tomorrow afternoon. That'll be overshadowed, obviously, by Ole Miss Alabama at 2.30, Colorado Oregon at 2.30, but... Consider that whoever wins that BYU Kansas game will be ranked next week. I mean, they'll be if Kansas were to win it at home, they'll be four and zero, and pretty impressively, obviously depending on how they play tomorrow. But um, they would come in here next week for a two thirty tilt with Texas as, as a ranked team. Obviously, BYU would be the same, and they'll play here in Austin later this season. Uh, so you got the great college football slate with six ranked matchups and just monster ones. I mean, who, who you know, while you're watching Texas Baylor tomorrow night, um, you're going to want to keep an eye on Notre Dame and Ohio State. 
so great Saturday of college football. Best so far this year. One of the best of the season. And then uh, the NFL, of course, week three. Uh, we saw kickoff last night with that 49ers impressive win over the Giants. Uh, we got the baseball series with the Rangers and Mariners. First of a three-game series in Arlington, but it's the first of seven games between those two teams. They're dead, deadlocked uh, in second place in the AL West. Playoff spots on the line. Those games, every inning is uh, compelling and important there. Uh, Astros play the Royals, also important. Also tonight, Ty, game of the year in high school football in this area. Westlake, Lake Travis from LT. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. I, I know it's a big game because I got, I got friends texting me saying, okay, can you get me a pass and give me a ticket? I'm like, I'll try. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, that's the Battle of the Lakes tonight. Out it's in at uh, Lake Travis, right? It's at Lake Travis, yeah. God, I might have to make it out there. I went to that game. I, I tried to get – that's the one game. What was your career record at Westlake against Lake Travis? Uh, never won. Never? That was before the tides turned. The tide has turned. Um, yeah, we went through about a – I think like a – 10, almost 10-year 10 stretch where we didn't beat them? Well, I mean, how about this? Westlake is uh, undefeated. They've only allowed 21 points this season. They've scored 142. Lake Travis has only allowed 40. And they played They played another game. They've played four games. Westlake's only played three, I believe. Or one of those teams is 3-0, one's 4-0. Yeah, Lake Travis 4-0. They've only allowed 20 points. These two defenses have been just incredibly good. Um, it's yeah. definitely going to be. I would take the under. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be <laughs> – I mean, so in four games, Lake Travis allowed 40 points, so that's 10 a game. In three games, Westlake's allowed 21, that's under 10 a game. And uh, they are outstanding. So looking forward to that tonight. That's a, you know part of a big slate. Vandegrift, who we talked yesterday to Drew Sanders, the head coach, they're off to a 4-0 dominant start. They're off this week. So Vandegrift gets to sit back, and I'm, I'm assuming Coach Sanders and his staff will be at that game, scouting that game. Do they play? Um, they're not in the same district They will in the, in the first round of the playoffs. True. Okay, yeah, that's probably in the area around. You got to start looking forward to that here, <laughs> yeah, here in Austin. Depend, when, when you know, there's only who, a few good teams at the top. That's right, that's right. Uh, yeah, Vandergriff now in a different, different, different. But district. always respect your opponent, as Todd Dodge says. Always, which is Texas's mission tomorrow, and beat them down. Uh, I think Texas respects Baylor, but it's easy. If here's the thing: when I say re- respect your opponent, you know, players watch film, coaches watch film. If, if you if you've watched this Baylor team through three games, there's nothing impressive about them, nothing. Nothing. Like, I'm not kidding. I, I mean, there's nothing that you watch on film through three games that says, man, this team, we got this licked. How did they keep it close against Utah? Well, so Utah long? was playing their backup quarterback. Because remember, Utah's a totally different team on the road than at home, right? Remember, they beat Florida to start the season in that home game. But that's it. You know, they're, they're one, they have one of the longest home winning streaks in the country. They're excellent at home. But they are a different team on the road, and they're traveling for the first time into the heat of Texas from the mountains of Utah. And they were playing their backup quarterback, and then they were playing the third-string guy. Uh, and they were just trying to get out of that game. They were being very conservative offensively, letting their defense win the game. And, look, they were they were down. So when I say nothing is impressive about Baylor, that was their most impressive game. They, they had that game up 10-point lead in the second half. But then their quarterback, Sawyer Robertson, went to, went to throw in interceptions. And all he had to do was bleed the clock. And, um, you know, then they... <laughs> But again, you watch, you look at if you look at the stats and then watch the film. There's just nothing that stands out. Everything that stands out is bad. They're like a. That was more about Utah being not on top of their game. Yeah, and I think I think really I think they came day. on the road with a backup quarterback, and we're just trying to, you know, get out of there. Uh, and they they achieved their mission. They played exactly the game they wanted to. Uh, they weren't trying to impress anybody, their fans or anybody. They were just trying to, you know, get a get a road win, which they did. Uh, big for that Utah team who plays UCLA tomorrow in a, one of the big ranked matchups of the College Football Saturday. 
But um, again, then you go to the stats. I mean, there's nothing statistically that stands out for Baylor. And this is where I would say respect your opponent. I mean, you've got to uh, you got to treat your preparation this week because this is this is how I think teams let down. You watch the film, and you see the guy you're going against, right? How you would watch film in high school, and you're like, oh, "This guy stinks. This guy's no good." Well, guess what? Then you show up on Saturday, and it's a whole different guy, right? He's he's playing with a different level. He's got the home crowd. They know how important this game is. Last meeting with Texas. And all of a sudden, uh, you get staggered early. They make some big plays. And as Rod said yesterday, and by the way, if you're just tuning in, Rod Babers won't be with us this morning. His wife has uh, had, had her water break this morning. So, obviously, he's got bigger issues and uh, more important things to do than be here with us talking football on a Friday. So, we wish best of luck to uh, Rod and Melissa and um, send our prayers their way that everything goes great here in the coming hours. But, um, you know, you, you show up and all of a sudden, you know, Baylor's rolling out the trick plays and Baylor's, you know, throwing reverse passes and things of that nature that they haven't shown because they, because they're going to break tendency. They're going to do things because just like uh, Texas prepared all offseason for Alabama, you got to know, um, you know, Baylor and their coaching staff has been preparing for this game, knowing it's the first game of conference play all year, all offseason. They're going to have things. But to their detriment, they don't have their starting quarterback. If Blake Shapin were playing in this game, I'd be more fearful for Texas because Blake Shapin is a good player. Uh, uh, but Sawyer Rob, remember this about Sawyer Robertson. He's played in the air raid system his whole life, right? He's from Lubbock, Lubbock Coronado High School. And then he went to play for Mike Leach at Mississippi State. That's where he was going to play the air raid for Mike Leach. And then, of course, tragically, Mike Leach passed away. And um, we lost Mike last, last winter and Coach Leach. And so he transferred to Baylor. But he's playing now in a Jeff Grimes system, which is foreign to him. It's the outside zone. It's under center. He's never been under center. He's been in the shotgun his whole life. Uh, and I think Baylor's hope was, was they'll bring him in. He can learn the system. They can hide him for the year because he's not going to need to play. we got Blake Shapin. And they were going to have Austin Novosad, the young kid from uh, Dripping Springs, as their, their top recruit. And we know that on signing day, Austin decided he wanted to go to Oregon and uh, switched his commitment. So they were left with Sawyer Robertson as their starting quarterback. And I think that's what you're seeing with Sawyer is that he's just he's learning to be under center. To, I mean, do basic things like, you know, when you, when you do uh, the, the outside zone, Ty, you're running, you know, wide stretch plays. I mean, the, the footwork. Kind of steps. Yeah, yeah, the footwork of that. It's not easy. He's learning. Uh, and he's, now he's doing it on-the-job training in, in real games. And then, of course, as we found out yesterday from our friend Craig Smoke, who covers the Bears uh, for Sikkim 365, he's got an ankle injury. He suffered an ankle injury in that, in that Utah game. And um, he's, not, he's not healthy. And his legs are a part of what, he, what they want from him. Uh, to get him get him through this, but he's not healthy, and we have no way of knowing how healthy he'll be tomorrow. Because if you saw him play against Long Island University last week for Baylor, you know he was they just kind of hit him. He he only threw for 114 yards, and as uh, Craig said yesterday to us, Ty, some of his throws, even against Long Island, an 0-3 Long Island team, I mean they didn't reach their target. I mean he would because he, he couldn't push off on his ankle, so he's trying to throw, and the ball's like diving into the turf six yards short. Do we know who his backup is? I don't. I don't think they it could want turn it. turn into a, that Baylor game a few years ago where Baylor was down to like their third string quarterback. I think it, in in Waco, we ended up winning that game, and the fight broke in, broke out at the end. Yes. Okay. I feel like it could be a less talented Baylor team, but similar environment to that. Very very high high tension. Well, and their strength for Baylor is their three running backs, right? And one of them's hurt. Dominic Richardson, the kid who transferred from Oklahoma State, that was one of their transfer portal pushes. Dave Aranda wanted to bring in some more explosive players, and Dominic Richardson came in from Stillwater. Well, he's hurt, too, in this game. So you do have Richard Reese, who was a freshman 
All Big Twelve. He was player. a baller last year. He was a great running back. Uh, and they also have this this new this new freshman uh, that came in from Mineola, who had a big game last week against Long Island. So their their strength is their running game. But what's Texas's strength on defense? Front seven, interior, interior. I mean, for for Texas again, I'll say this: the the the, the important down tomorrow when you're watching this game or at the game in Waco is first down. If the Longhorns can put Sawyer Robertson in second and third and long, they're going to be in a really good place because he will turn the ball over. He's not a good passer. He's hurt. And they don't have explosive weapons on the outside right now. So, but again, if you, much like you saw with Wyoming last week, if Wyoming, if you're able to, if they're able to stay second and six, second and five, you know, get three, four yards, five yards on first down, well, that changes the whole game plan for, for Jeff Grimes. The key is first down for Texas. You got to win first down on defense. And Steve Starkeesian has talked all week about, uh, you know, winning first down for his team. That's why they've been, you realize this, and Rod gave the stat earlier this week, and, and props to Rod always finding the deep dive stuff. Um, the Longhorns are dead last in an offensive statistic called offensive win rate. Offensive win rate, which kind of just adds up how often you're winning a snap um, on, on every drive. And think about this for the Longhorn offense in 2023. They're ranked number three in the country. They've got two, they have three double digit wins, including one at Alabama. But we would all say that they've been good in spurts offensively and, and for I mean, short spurts, right? You know, one quarter against Rice. Fourth quarter against Wyoming. Uh, really, f- end of the third, end of the fourth quarter against Alabama. In those other three quarters of each game, they've been way below average. Meh. Just meh. And they've, they've been their own worst enemy, drop passes. A lot, it's a lot of similarities last year, yeah. honestly. Well, last year, the problem was they were great for three quarters offensively and then bad for the fourth. I mean, that was essentially what they would do. And now they've almost flipped it to where they're, they're – and this is – you can see the, the bewilderment on Sark's face. He's trying to figure this out. I'd much rather have it this way. Oh, sure. sure. Well, that's why you're 3-0. and And that's why you beat Alabama as you, out, you score, outscored them 21-8 to in the fourth quarter. And so – but, boy, the, for the Longhorns, the ceiling gets even higher if you can fix that and you can remedy that and become a more efficient offense. And for me, it all starts on first down. And Sark has said it all week long. I'm not you know, breaking any news here. They've got to be second and five more often, not second and ten. And that's play calling. Sark likes to call the deep ball, certainly against Rice. There was a lot of deep shots on first down. Then you come back second and 10. They tried to run the quick passing game last week against Wyoming early, and you had some missed throws and then some drop passes that got you back. They also had some procedural penalties that made it first and 15. Uh, so, yeah, they just have to be better. I'm expecting, because I know that's been a point of emphasis for Texas all week, I'm expecting them to uh, to put a good game together here. And, you know, when you think about Baylor, you think, well, Dave Aranda's got this defense. Well, Dave Aranda's defense through three games against, I mean, whatever you think, Utah's not some offensive juggernaut with their backup quarterback. You play Texas State, Long Island, and uh, and Utah with a backup QB, and they're 11th in total defense. Uh, they're 12th in rush defense. And most of that damage had to be done by Texas State. Oh, yeah. Because Utah, well, that was only like a... 16, 20 to 17. 20 to 16 was the final in that game. And they scored 30 against... Yeah, Long Island is seven against only sixteen by the half, and then thirty for the game. But yeah, I mean, for a Dave Miranda defense against this competition to be eleventh, and I mean, they're giving up like almost six yards per play. I mean, they're just they just don't. That's why I say if you watch the tape, if you're Texas, you can eat the rat poison because you're going to look at that and go, golly, because uh, that's what I've done watching the games. You're like, man, they're not very that's good. That's the old Texas, right? But well, then, but that's right. Respect your opponent. The Todd Dodge thing. Uh, you respect your opponent. 
prepare for this team like they're, and know what you're going to get tomorrow night. It's a locker room game. You're going to get the best version of this uh, Baylor team than we've seen. Nothing of a, nothing's on tape. You're going to see plays you haven't seen, schemes you haven't seen, and players are going to play at a higher level than they've played so far this year. You just have to, you have to know that's coming. If Texas does that, I think they'll be fine because they're more talented across the board. All right, coming back, we'll get the What the Facts segment, including Ty's rundown of the punt, pack, pass, and kick competition he had yesterday with Casey Studdard. Also, we'll keep our eyes on the, the phone here with Ty with Rod. He's off to the hospital to uh, uh, have a baby. Have a baby this morning. We're excited for him and his wife. We'll come back. It's Ian Rod B. on a Friday. Aaron Hogan, Rod Baber. Austin, Texas, Sports, the Horn. Yeah, Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers went to work last night uh, on the New York football Giants. Time for What the Facts, just the fact segment here on The Horn. Every morning before 7 o'clock, we get you some facts from around the sports landscape, including somebody asked on the Specs text line, how many quarterbacks were drafted before Brock Purdy was picked with the final pick of the seventh round, Mr. Irrelevant, back in the draft of 2022? The answer is, do you have an answer, Ty? Guess how many quarterbacks were drafted before Brock Purdy? Nine. Seven. Mm. Seven quarterbacks. Uh, remember, it wasn't seen as a great quarterback draft. Uh, Kenny Pickett was the first guy taken by the Steelers in round one, the only first-round quarterback. There wasn't another quarterback taken until Desmond Ritter was taken in the third round by the Atlanta Falcons. Malik Willis also went in the third round, as did Matt Corral. Terrible quarterback draft. Yeah. Baton will. Well, the, remember, and if Brock Purdy goes any to any other franchise, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we see this kind of output. Well, he's he's in the perfect system, but he's he's proving to be much better than than his. It's draft. nothing like the guy we saw saw at Iowa State. The closest well, we saw of this from him was his freshman year, right? And, and sophomore. I mean, he was a pretty good player, and then it just he. I don't know, but now we're seeing Matt Campbell kind of that program disintegrate uh, without Brock Purdy. Remember, Brock Purdy was a kid out of Arizona who was committed to Alabama at one point. Uh, but then he saw Alabama was kind of over. Like, he's committed from Alabama because I mean, you, you, you know, these coaches see these quarterbacks at these quarterback schools and Elite Eleven camps, and that's really where they, whether whatever state they're from, they, you get to see them. And Brock Purdy was committed to Alabama, and then you know Tua all of a sudden's committing to Alabama and all these other quarterbacks, and he's like, well, I'm going to go to Iowa State where he started for four years, and I think that's a big part of this. Whatever his his success rate at, at Iowa State was, we know the talent around him was pretty good. Not not. You know Alabama level talent, but you know starting four years of college football, the experience that comes with that. You, I don't know that you can put a number on that, a grade on that. You know, versus a guy like uh, you know Trey Lance who barely played in college football. Um, Mitch Trubisky was drafted in the uh, high top five by the Bears a few years ago, and he had only started thirteen games. That's a big difference in starting, and not just the games played, but the weeks of preparation, the offseason work, the the time studying film. I mean, for four years at Iowa State, and that's why he's, uh, you know, and then his ability, that's what's made him the perfect QB for the 49ers, all that talent around him. Uh, he's just, you know, playing point guard. But, yeah, the quarterbacks drafted ahead of him, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Bailey Zappi out of uh, Victoria, Texas originally. Went to college where? Western... Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky. Hilltoppers. Hilltoppers. Uh, Sam Howell, who's starting for the uh, Washington Commanders, was drafted in the fifth round. Uh, someone named Chris Alodicon, drafted by the Steelers, and then Skylar Thompson by the Dolphins out of K-State. Brock Purdy was taken with pick 262. Fact. And last night against the New York Giants, who blitzed him on 33 of the 39 dropbacks he made, completed 25 of 37 for 310, two touchdowns, a passer rating of 111.3. The last two quarterbacks drafted in that draft are the only two to... 
play in the playoffs so far. So far, yeah. And uh, as I said in the headlines, Brock Purdy has never lost a game in which he has started and finished. The only game he's lost was the game that he got hurt in the first quarter against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. And who knows? We'll never know how that game would have would have gone if he had not gotten his elbow hit and tore his uh you know hurt his hurt his elbow in that game and couldn't complete it. But he, actually, he did come back in that game, didn't he? He did come back and remember he just handed off because they didn't have another quarterback. They're going to put in Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other fact for the 49ers is that um, since they've acquired Christian McCaffrey last year, they're all, they're pretty much unbeatable. Uh, he has been unbelievable. Scored a touchdown in his 12th straight game. That ties, how about this record? Ties Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, the great, I mean, I could argue Jerry Rice is the greatest player ever to play with the stats he put up at the wide receiver position in uh, Bill Walsh and then George Seifert's offense is just unbelievable uh, what he is. But that 49er team, a juggernaut. We know the Cowboys are a juggernaut right now, at least their defense, and they took a big hit yesterday. We'll get you more on the Trevon Diggs injury. We'll get you some other. Uh, B and E or E and Rod B facts of the day, but uh, Ty, all right, tell us about it. Everybody's waiting to hear how did the uh, the punt, pass, and kick challenge go. And I will admit, factually, I wasn't able to make it on on Thursdays. Ty, I record my podcast. The we I do the Eyes on Texas podcast multicast. The second episode of the second week. second episode of the week. We record on Monday, and it's a full recap of all the game before for Texas, and uh, then that drops on Tuesday and is out on YouTube. Spotify and iTunes, and then on Thursday, Mike Craven and I, the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, record the preview because we don't really talk. We didn't talk a lot about Baylor on Mondays. It was all about the Wyoming game and the ins and outs and Sark highlights and sound and all that. Uh, so then the Thursday edition. But in the middle of our recording yesterday here at the station, Mike got a phone call from an athletic director that he had to take. That's his job. So he had to. So we took about thirty minutes, and by the time we got back to recording the podcast. It was too late to get over and see you guys at Westlake. I figured you'd be done. How did it go? Punt, pass, and kick. By the way, that uh, episode, the preview of the Baylor game, will be out today. Be looking for it on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. The uh, Horns YouTube page will have it uh, later today, maybe even this morning. Uh, the Eyes on Texas multicast and podcast is what it's called. Uh, Ty, what do you say? How did it go yesterday? You against Casey Studdard, a challenge you came up with to challenge a professional athlete in a punt, pass, and kick competition. How would we do? Uh, it was a pros versus Joes experience there. Um, <laughs> it was a lot hotter than we expected. Um, oh, yeah. The video uh, of this will be coming out pr- most likely before se- at or before 7.30 is what uh, Jacob, our video guy, is telling us. What time? Around 7.30. Okay. Probably be on all the socials. So you, you'll... But I lost 2-1. Um, to one. Uh, in the event, two we, events to one, we event. did not score it as technical as uh, I was hoping for. Uh, hoping I, for. I didn't get to go. I need, did not get to go over there and be the moderator, Casey, the uh, arbitrator. Casey was originally just like one kick, one pass, one punt. That's how we're going to do it. And that sounds like, like Casey. And I was like, uh, let's let's do three of each. Um, so I, I we kicked first, um, like field goal. Yes, the first both of our first kicks were no good, terrible. And then I kind of figured it out. You know, you got to you got to you got to lock the plant leg. No question. Um, and then I barely Sperm missed. Base. Barely missed. One wide left, one wide right, and then Casey put one right down the middle. So um, He won field goal. He won field goal. Then we went to punting. Uh, I shanked the first one <laughs> pretty left bad. Left or right? Left. I mean, it got like maybe three feet off the ground. It was pretty bad. Uh, Casey was consistent, but I, I boomed a, I think it was a 38-yarder. And Casey's Ray guy over here. Casey's second or Casey's longest was like thirty seven. So I beat him by inches on that one. And then we got to throwing the ball and clearly Casey is a lot stronger and bigger <laughs> than me. And he had a bunch of tricks that he was showing me like this knuckleball 
that supposedly him and Brian Cushing used to throw to each other before Cush. the game. Like it, it's it's the craziest motion I've ever seen a football do in my life. But anyways, he uh, he threw about a almost like a fifty yard pass, and my my longest was like thirty eight yards. Yeah, so I, I revealed to you at the end of the show yesterday that I've seen Casey not just play football at an extremely high level, but I've played with him alongside him in the Reckless Kelly Celebrity Softball Jam out at Dell Diamond many times, and I told you he. He can throw. He can hit. I saw him hit a home run out of the Dell Diamond, like over the fence, not like the temporary softball field fence. I believe it. He is a tremendous athlete. Hey, and shout out to uh, Jim Strickland. We had a listener come, come, Thank out, you, Jim. come out. and uh, He actually, my dad worked for him when he was in high school. Oh, that's cool. So it was Thank a, you, Jim. It was, a, it was a cool connection there. And I'm sorry I couldn't make it. Uh, duty called, but I'm glad it went well. You're not hurt. Nobody pulled anything. I was a little, my arm is a little sore after, I figured but I, I iced it. We're good. So Casey won kicking and throwing, and you won punting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I could have easily won kicking, though. It could, right, it could, it could be a completely different story. You'll, you'll have to watch the video to can't really see wait. it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll mention that later in the show. Whenever there you it's go, out. you got time filler today. My, uh, my podcast will be out with Mike Craven with a full preview of the Texas Baylor game, and then yeah, that video will come out too. Eyes on Texas multicast and Ty's PPK challenge with Ty Henderson will hit the airways, and we'll let you know when and where, and we'll get it out there to you. We'll come back. We'll reset these headlines, including the uh, huge blow to the Cowboys defense. The Niners uh, roll it up on the Giants last night. And we'll hear from Sark. Coach Sarkeesian did have his uh, weekly Thursday Zoom chat with the media. We'll pick the highlights and let you hear it. Coming next here on Ian Rod B. Wishing Rod Babers very well. His wife's water broke this morning. He is en route to the hospital, I have to assume. And best of luck to he and the wife as uh, they're going to have their first child here on this 22nd of September. Best of luck. We're back. First hour of five. Ian Rod B. Hook them up.